0: Kia ora, welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast and thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host Jordan, I'm a mum of one, soon to be two boys and a lover of all things birth and a very passionate storyteller. The goal of Kiwi Birth Tales is to empower, inform, educate and connect families from New Zealand and all over the world, talking about the things that are so often kept to ourselves or shared with only our nearest and dearest because of this taboo that seems to surround sharing stories about birth. All stories deserve to be heard, no story more important than the other, and with this podcast you'll get a variety without bias. The podcast is not intended for medical advice. I'm not an advocate for any particular mode of birth or birth care and this platform is simply here to share these beautiful, empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. So I hope you enjoy. In today's episode of Kiwi birth tales I speak with Jackie and Jackie takes us through her pregnancy and birth story with her son Hayes who is around 10 weeks old now. Jackie takes us through her birth story which starts with her waters breaking on their own and ending up in an induction because her waters had been broken for um, quite a long time and nothing was really happening so... She was assessed and it was decided to go ahead with an induction, so she talks us through that. She also used the Your Birth Project hypnobirthing course and she talks through how that helped her in her labour and birth. She created a really beautiful birth environment, so it's really nice to hear her talk a little bit more about that. And then she talks us through, obviously, birthing, haze, and then into her postpartum journey. So... It's quite a um, full episode and it's really nice to hear Jackie talk about her birth in such a positive way. So I know that this is one that you are going to enjoy. If you're listening, I would love for you to take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story. Tag me at KiwiBirthTales. I love to see whereabouts you're listening from and what you do when you listen. So yeah, really looking forward to your tags. But otherwise, I will let you jump into the episode and I really hope that you enjoy it. Hi, Jackie. Thanks
1: so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having us. Well, us. I've got the baby <laughs> here as well, so it is both of us. <laughs> You're very welcome.
0: Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family?
1: Um, So my name's Jackie. I am a primary teacher in Blenheim. My partner, Curtis, works for um, an engineering company that is owned by his dad. And so in the family previously, there were about five dogs and a cat <laughs> and now we have little baby Hayes which is really cool. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys? Uh it was really cool because when we first met we both said that we wanted to have kids young. So that was really nice knowing that from early on in our relationship, that that's what we were both sort of aiming towards. And um we'd talked about it quite a lot, which was cool. And then I went off the pill in November of 2019 and I think it must have been like six months before I got pregnant. I, we weren't like yeah. actively trying. We were just sort of like, oh, well, we'll see if it happens, it happens. Yeah. And I think that was cool because we didn't put a lot of pressure on it and mm. Curtis had said he wanted kids before he was 24 and he turned 24, I think, um, oh, like a few months before Cur- before <laughs> Hayes was born. So that was perfect. (laughs) Yeah,
0: awesome. Cool. And how did you end up finding out that you were pregnant? Did you miss a period or you had other symptoms or you took a test?
1: Well, since I'd been tracking my flow, it was so, so regular. And it didn't come on the day that it was meant to. And I said to him, (laughs) if it's not here tomorrow, I'm buying a test. And he just went, oh, okay. And I remember going to New World and buying a test. And I put it through the self-checkout. And it didn't work. And I was so mortified of all the times for the checkout not to work. And the woman came over and she said, is it good news? And I went, um, I don't know. <laughs> That's it's a I question to ask news. someone
0: at a supermarket. Yeah, I was like,
1: That's so inappropriate. Yeah. Um, but then I came home and I took it. And I remember looking at it thinking, is this a second line? I've got no mm. idea. And I think everybody does that. Um, but then when I told Curtis, he just went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For about a minute. And he was so in shock. And I think we didn't actually sit down and talk about it for about three days because we were both just (laughs) still processing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Uh, And what was your um, first trimester journey like then? So after you found out you were pregnant, did you have many symptoms that came along in those first 12 weeks?
1: um, It was actually really good. I had pretty mild morning sickness. And I was, I'd started in a new classroom of year one students that term I think I'd started there and then um I found out four days later that I was pregnant and I would come Thanks. in with a smoothie in the morning and one kids would say oh Miss Stevenson are you feeling sick again and Thanks. I was like yep yep I am it was so funny but um yeah I actually had a great first trimester I really liked it but it was so hard because I had a lot of friends who were pregnant and I couldn't say anything uh-huh yeah I think that was the worst part. Yeah, so did you decide to wait until 12 weeks to tell your friends or how long did you um, wait? I told some of my close friends, like two or three of them, uh, when I was about six weeks. And I also told my nail artist, who's actually now <laughs> one of my really close friends, because yeah. I was like, I know she won't tell anybody. This is a <laughs> client confidentiality, <laughs> so that was cool. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And I told we told our parents when – I was 11 weeks and my mum was just so shocked. But at the same time, she was, oh, this is what you wanted. And she said, I thought you might be because you'd stopped drinking wine. (laughs) (laughs) And being from Marlborough, that's a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. And then I told my, um, like most of my other friends when I was sort of 12 weeks and onwards, but we didn't actually announce it or anything until I was 20 weeks and we had our gender reveal which was yeah. really cool because I was already quite visibly pregnant. And then people were going, how on earth have you hid that? But <laughs> it was, it was really cool to be able to keep it sort of between us and our yeah. closer friends. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah.
1: Cool. And how are you feeling in the rest of your pregnancy?
0: Did you do the sort of standard testing that's offered in New Zealand? And did you find out the sex
1: of your baby? Yes. So we did all of that standard testing. Um, just everything the midwife offered. I was like, okay, yeah, we can do that. And that all went really well. There were no concerns, so that was great. Um, We did a gender reveal, which was really fun. I just had my ultrasound on like the Thursday morning and that weekend we had a few of our friends up to my parents' house, which is on a um, massive sheep and beef station. So it was really picturesque and they did lunch and stuff and we just blew up some of those Um, those colourful poppers with the powder in them Mm -hmm. and it was really really cool and I had a suspicion from the pregnancy test that it was going to be a boy (laughs) and so I'd been sort of holding on to that for like four months already going yeah it's a boy it's a boy it's a boy (laughs) and everyone was so excited because I'm one of four girls oh yeah so that was really cool for my side of the family
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Cool. And how did you find your relationship with your midwife? Like, did you find it easy to find her? And then um, the sort of relationship that you built with
1: her throughout your pregnancy, how did you find that? I loved her. My midwife's name was Kathy and she was so funny. She was, <laughs> I think she was um, British and um, we just got on really well. I, when I found out I was pregnant, I had a look at the midwives that were available at that time. And she just happened to be the first person that replied to me. Yeah. And she always said she looked forward to me coming because she knew I was going to have a funny story to tell her. (laughs) (laughs) So I went in between Christmas and new year for an appointment. And she asked me what I'd done over Christmas. And I said, Oh, we went goose hunting. And she was so shocked. And she said, I've never had a lady who's ever been goose hunting while they were (laughs) pregnant. And (laughs) It was just really fun. We got on really well. And my uh, partner did say after Hayes had been born that he thought she was crazy just because she was so full of energy. <laughs> so we we matched really well. It was really fun.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And did you go to any antenatal classes or do
1: any other birth education before your labour and birth? Yes. So we did just the um, antenatal through the parent centre which was really good. I think we both knew a lot of the things that were going to be covered in it and we learnt, but it was really about, for me, the connection with people. Yeah. And that was so cool. So some of them still haven't had their babies yet and Hayes is 10 weeks old. But it's been really cool to connect with people at the same stage in their life. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of my friends, especially where I live now, haven't had children yet. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really nice. Um, I also did your birth project, which I loved. <laughs> um, I think my favourite part of that was the birth environment segment. Yeah. And I um remember taking heaps of notes and stuff for that, which was really cool. And I felt really prepared, and that was sort of something that I could control, which was really helpful. Yeah, I awesome. also listened to lots of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcasts, because originally I'd thought I wanted to have a home birth. Mm
0: -hmm. So I
1: listened to lots of the podcasts about other people's home births, which was really great. And um, I didn't end up having one, but it was really interesting. And I sort of think I would like to go for a home birth next time. Yeah. Yeah. I read the Ina May Gaskin book, as I know that so many other people who have been on this (laughs) podcast have. And I read a mindful pregnancy book, which was about um, sort of eating and exercising and taking vitamins and stuff, which was a really easy read. So it was actually great to just flick through when I felt like I could be bothered reading something. (laughs) Yeah, awesome.
0: Cool, nice. And
1: so did you have much of a birth plan then or like thoughts on how you wanted your birth to go? I wanted to have a natural birth as uninterrupted. And um, just by myself, I guess, as yeah. possible. So the idea was that I would, once I went into labour, I would just be at home for as long as I could and then go up to the hospital. I, As I said, the birth environment was really important to me. Um, so I had all of that planned. I knew that I wanted to try gas once I was up at the hospital. And my midwife had talked to me about some water injections. And I'd never heard of them before. Mm. And they just um, inject water into the base of your spine and it acts like yeah. morphine. And I thought that was quite a cool idea, which I didn't end up doing, but it was sort of in my plan as an option.
0: Awesome. And did you do anything in preparation for birth, like antenatal expressing or perennial massage, or were you doing anything to
1: try and um, get your labor started? I remember I started raspberry leaf tea and I think it was about 30 four weeks my midwife said I could start it and I was having one a day and then the next week I had two a day and upped it from there yeah and then at 37 weeks I'd been sort of cleared to start trying to express and I tried it in the shower a few times with no success and then on a Sunday morning I it was the 11th of April I got a tiny little drop (laughs) and I was so excited but by the time I got anything to collect it with it was gone <laughs> and then it never came back. But I thought that's fine. I've still got ages to collect it. Mm. And in our antenatal classes, they talked about perennial massage and we all sort of looked at each other and we were like, how does this work? Mm. I can't figure this out. Um, but I did actually try that on, I think it was the same day that I um, had some colostrum. And I just found it really difficult. And I was like, this is too hard. I'm not going to do it right now and put a put it in the too hard basket for them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Awesome. Cool. And do you want to take us through your labor? Was
1: it spontaneous? And how far along were you? And yeah, talk us through your labor and then into your birth story. Yeah. So it was very spontaneous. Um, I was due on the 2nd of May. And when I had that tiny drop of colostrum it was the 11th of April in the morning and then the next day oh so I had three weeks left on that day and the next day I woke up at about three thirty in the morning and because I had terrible insomnia for my whole pregnancy mm-hmm. so I think I haven't slept more than three hours at a time in about six mm-hmm. months yeah. <laughs> but um I was lying there and my Curtis was sleeping so deeply And breathing so loudly and I was so mad that he was having (laughs) such a good sleep yeah so yeah and I went to the spare room and I lay down and then I thought straight away I have to go to the toilet and I went into the bathroom and lifted my leg up to put the toilet seat down and then my waters broke on the bathroom floor (laughs) which is really the best place for them to break because the cleanup was so easy. (laughs) Was it like a big gush or just like a little trickle? What was it like? No, not a gush at all. It was definitely a little trickle. And I sort of looked at it and I was thinking, did I just lose control over my bladder that badly overnight? What happened? (laughs) It was really funny. And then I thought, okay, that's got to be what it is and um so I came out into the lounge and lit the fire put my birth playlist on lit some candles and then sat on the swiss ball just hanging out really waiting for something to happen and it had been a few hours so at six o'clock I went and woke Curtis up for work and I told him my waters have broken and he said oh get off the bed then (laughs) but it wasn't that bad I wasn't having like huge gushes or anything at that point but um and I said to him you go to work because nothing's happening so then I messaged my midwife at about eight o'clock and she just said keep in touch with her and through that day nothing happening was happening I didn't feel any tightenings or anything really I was just sort of leaking fluid through the day (laughs) But I ate a whole pineapple and I did all of the things that are meant to bring (laughs) on labor, but nothing worked. So I went up to the hospital to see my midwife at about two o'clock that afternoon. And she put this little cotton tip inside me to see if my waters had broken. And sure enough, they had, which was great. So she just told me to go home because there was really no urgency. It had only been about 10 hours since my waters had broken and something she thought something would probably happen overnight Mm -hmm. but if nothing was to happen overnight she told me to come back to the hospital in the morning and we would look at me being induced so I went home that night and we just hung out really I went over my birthday list and everything that i wanted i looked at the baby bag and i repacked my bag so many times because i was so paranoid and i didn't have everything and i told curtis to go back to work that day just for the afternoon because i know that inductions usually take a while so it wasn't going to be i go to hospital at seven and the baby's born at nine in the morning
0: yeah
1: um and we were also getting a new fridge and a new oven delivered that day, <laughs> which was really convenient. So they were supposed to arrive between 1.30 and 2. And I said to Curtis, just be there for that and then come up to the hospital. I'll let you know if it has to be sooner. And that was, I thought that we had quite a good plan with that, really. Um, so I got to the hospital at 7 on the morning of the 13th of April and then they put monitors on my stomach to see sort of what my uterus was doing and what how the baby's heart was going. And his head was only two-fifths engaged. And so mm. they were kind of saying, that's not very much. We kind of want it to increase a bit. And I just sat there for about an hour and a half on the monitors. And they were just watching, waiting for something to happen. And an obstetrician came in at... Eight thirty that morning, and he was going to do an examination. So he put his hand inside me, and I was quite uncomfortable. And he said to me, "Well, if you don't like that, you won't like giving birth." Mm. I was like, "Well, I think it's a little bit different. I've never yeah, met thanks you." Thanks for that, mate. <laughs> I feel great. Mm. Um, but he kept telling me, "Oh, it's all right. If you want to have an epidural, just tell us, and we'll get an epidural straight away." And he actually really pushed it. For quite a long time, about hmm. six times he brought it up and I was just brushing it off because I didn't really want one. And then they said that my cervix wasn't doing anything. So they put some gel on it and he said that in about six hours I would definitely be feeling quite strong contractions. So I was updating Curtis throughout this and I said this is about the time that we're expecting to have the baby or something's going to happen. <laughs> um, and they would had to give me antibiotics because my waters had broken 24 hours earlier so Mm -hmm. with that come the risk of further infection so they gave me penicillin but it took the nurse they actually had to get a second nurse in and it took four tries to get the drip in Mm. and it was horrible and my hands were just bleeding and I was sitting there and I felt so faint in this hospital bed, and I was like, I'm bleeding, but I haven't even started giving birth yet. This is the prayer. <laughs> um, yeah, but then nothing actually really happened for hours. So it was sort of on and off with the monitoring. It was the band around my stomach, and they did that on and off through the day. It was actually really interesting to watch it and feel the baby's movements and then see when they came up on the chart. Um as movements which was cool they told me at about one o'clock that they were probably going to put me on a drip to further induce me because the gel wasn't doing anything and I think it's called syntosinin yeah and um so I said to Curtis you better hurry up and get up here because we're gonna have (laughs) a baby soon and yeah he ended up Uh, leaving a note at our house and saying, don't drop off the fridge and oven, we're busy. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so then they took me up to their birthing unit and we started on the drip. So it it was 2.30 exactly and they started putting that in. They did for the first half an hour, it's the amount of drug is 0.6 mils per hour so they do a really low dosage at the start just to check that you and your baby are going to be all right. And I was on the Swiss ball and then um, yeah just sort of hanging out again and Curtis walked in after I'd been on there for about um, on the drip for about 10 minutes and I just was like yeah this is fine we're getting some little tightenings but it's fine and at that point I thought birth is going to be great these are super chill <laughs> I think I have a really high pain tolerance and then they would up the dosage of the syntocin in every half hour so I think it was after an hour and a half that it started getting really intense and the contractions were coming really hard and fast and because they were induced there was no break in between them there was no, mm. no time that my body had to get used to it sort of what I was dealing with it was just nothing and then really suddenly I just couldn't handle it it was Mm. so full-on that's when I thought okay I don't have a high pain tolerance anymore (laughs) Um, but I was just reading over my birth notes before and it it says that at that time I was still quite happy and then um, yeah so after about 3 30 I was still going all right and by 4 o'clock, I was just trying to find positions that I could be comfortable in. But every time I moved, they would lose the um, the baby's heartbeat so they couldn't mm-hmm. find it anymore. Yeah. And then also when I was moving, his heartbeat was dropping. And I think that was quite scary because I was going, well, I don't know what to do. I can't actually control anything. And they, I remember they put it up the dosage up to 3.6 mils and then I just couldn't handle it and they went oh no 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 take it down take it down <laughs> so they decreased the dosage again but um yeah I was actually going I think it was fine it was just really intense and I wasn't expecting mm. it um in my birth notes it says that I was four centimeters dilated at about four thirty, and then um they took the monitors off my stomach because I was really uncomfortable and I can't remember the name of it um when they put a little thing inside you and it's on the baby's head to monitor its heart rate um yeah but but they put that clip on and then that was way easier for them to monitor his heart rate which was great because I could move around a bit more and be a bit more comfortable and then they called my midwife at I think it was like 10 to 5 which was great because I really just wanted her there because I knew her. And like I said before, we got on really well. Mm. Um, But then I remember at one point I said, guys, there's something on my leg. There's a leech or something stuck to my leg. You have to get it off. And everyone was looking on my legs going, what are you talking about? You like thinking she's lost Mm -hmm. it. And I was like, guys, there's something. It's on my right thigh. It's horrible. It's so uncomfortable. But it was the sticker that is used to connect the clip on his head. And it was horrible. I kept saying, take it off, but no one listened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was fine. Um, Yeah, so my midwife arrived about 4.30, which was really cool. And in the birth notes, it says that Jackie's breathing beautifully. And I remember reading it and being so satisfied because Mm -hmm. it was all of the – the breathing from your birth project. So that was really cool. I was really proud that I'd remembered to use it and Mm -hmm. remembered what it was. But I also tried some, um, I read it in the Ina May Gaskin book, Blowing Raspberries. (laughs) And it was really funny because there I was blowing raspberries on the bed and everyone was just going silent every time I did it because they (laughs) thought I would lost it. And my midwife, Kathy, said to Curtis, what is she doing? And he just went, I have no idea. (laughs) And then everyone just ignored it again. (laughs) Um, But then the obstetrician came back in at about quarter to five. And he said to me, remember what I told you? Remember what I told you? And I knew it was about the epidural. So I didn't really want to think about that yet because – Even though I was in quite a lot of pain and it was really intense, I still thought I can actually do this without an epidural. Mm. And um, Curtis had been putting cold flannels on my head because I was so, so hot. And the obstetrician just kept talking and talking. So I just took the flannels and I just put them over my face so I didn't have to look (laughs) at him. (laughs) Mm. Um, And then once he'd left, I got out of bed because we were trying to drop the baby um, further down because I'd been lying on the bed most of the time as I was just really uncomfortable and they needed to get um, his heartbeat. Mm. But I went to get out of bed and then I said, I can't feel my legs. They feel like concrete and it was horrible. Mm. I didn't know what it was. I think they were just really heavy and sore and probably stiff from sitting around all day. And then... um, Curtis and Kathy both just massaged my legs which was so nice Mm -hmm. and then I was kneeling on the ground with my head and my arms sort of on the bottom of the bed and I remember Curtis rubbing my shoulder but he runs really hot and so it was really nice having some comfort but he was so hot I was like (laughs) I just want something cold right now (laughs) so at that point the contractions were quite long and coming there was sort of like less than a minute in between them and then my midwife said to me Jackie did you just push I was like yes but I didn't mean to it was an accident (laughs) (laughs) because I think I was prepared to be um having contractions for so long Mm. and then I just expected that it would take a really really long time that it was going to be 12 hours or something because women talk about their 36-hour labor, Mm. and I was, at that point, I got a bit panicky, because I thought, this is so painful, I can't actually do this for Mm. a lot longer, and I said to Curtis, I can't do it, I want an epidural, I don't want to do this anymore, and he said, well, you can't walk out, we're not going home, and you don't (laughs) want an epidural, so you've just got to put up with it, and I I think I just needed someone to confirm that I was actually going to be fine and I could do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. But then um, I pushed twice when I was kneeling on the ground and I was quite surprised actually with how naturally that came. It was, I think it's a really bizarre feeling. And then I heard my midwife whispering to Curtis behind me, and I thought, oh, no, if they're whispering, they obviously don't (laughs) want me to hear. Mm. But they were saying that they might have to get the paediatricians up and then go down to the paediatric ward because his heart rate was really low. And he was three weeks early, so I think he just wasn't quite actually ready. Um, Mm. And she said, okay, we'll just get you up on the bed. And so I got on the bed, and this was at, Five twenty-five, and um she I lay there and she went oh I can see the head <laughs> and that was just amazing I couldn't believe it it gave me so much motivation and because they'd been worried about him before I thought I've just got to get the baby out and then he'll be okay like we can deal with any problems mm-hmm. once he's out if we need to and um so Kathy was helping me like coaching me through the pushes with breathing and she would make me push and then hold it, which was so hard because I needed to take a breath.
0: Mm. Um,
1: But it was actually a lot. I remember it really clearly and it was a lot more enjoyable. Well, now than I thought it was (laughs) going to be. (laughs) But um, after a while she got Curtis to hold one of my legs and she held the other one just so I had something to, press my legs against which yes. was so helpful and it only took me 15 minutes of pushing and then he was born oh and it gosh. was it was amazing <laughs> and I remember thinking wow that happened I'm pretty sure that happened way faster than <laughs> most people so that was cool but she'd yes. been holding a hot flannel on so that I didn't tear which was oh, great so great. I didn't tear at all and I was so happy with that but um, he was born, he was, came out, and he was really little. So I'd been told from about 25 weeks that I was having a really big baby, and mm-hmm. I was actually terrified. Mm-hmm. But he came out, and he was so small. He was 5 pounds 15. Oh, little boy. <laughs> yeah, he was so small. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, it took about six weeks for him to actually fit the newborn clothing. Yeah. yeah. Before then, he was just too little. um but yeah then once he was born he was put on my chest and he was pink and looked really good within a minute so um that was really cool we did the delayed cord clamping which my midwife and I had talked about and she said well I don't think it's really delayed I think this is just normal cord clamping and then Mm. yeah so that was cool um After about 20 minutes of just skin to skin, we put him to my breast. But I have notoriously flat nipples, which is Mm -hmm. such a nightmare. And he couldn't latch, which was a real pain. And I think that was really disappointing for me because I'd never imagined that he would come out and not be able to feed straight away. Yeah. And (laughs) actually, at one point, I said, guys, You've got to move him. There's something wrong. Like It feels weird. I don't know what it is. And they went, what, what's the problem? And I was like, his toe is on my clitoris and it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> and my midwife looked and she said, no, Jackie, that's just the umbilical cord. We can't move it. Mm. It was so bad. So that was before I um, birthed that. But, um, yeah, so we put him to the breast and he didn't do much. He was sort of just throwing his head around and wasn't sure what to do. And um, my milk hadn't come in either. So that was really difficult because there was nothing really to motivate him. Mm -hmm. So we ended up, um, I hand expressed just into a little syringe. And he, Curtis did skin to skin for quite a while, which was really cool. I think really nice for him. And my midwife was giving him these little syringes of colostrum, which was great. And I conveniently had heaps of colostrum. So um, that was really satisfying that I could get it all out. Yeah, so we did that. And then we went back to our room after a couple of hours, which was really nice. And it was just so cool walking him back from the birth unit. And there were some nurses going, oh, hi, how did you go? Mm -hmm. Because they'd seen me there that morning. And that was really cool. It was very weird walking back. And I was like, wow, I'm just looking at my little baby. (laughs) But when he came out, we we looked at him and we went, hang on. He's actually really, really cute. Maybe we're (laughs) quite biased. But newborns often take a few days, I think, to get really cute. But I think he did come out really cute. (laughs) It was very satisfying.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And how long did you end up spending in the hospital? Uh, we were there for three nights. So he was born at 5.40pm and then we were at that night and then another two, which was really, really good. I don't think I could have gone home any earlier. And on the morning of the third day, I said something about going home. And one of the nurses said, do you think you're going home today? And I went, oh, <laughs> yes. And she said, good. So do we. You're completely independent And I just remember thinking, okay, those are not the words I would have used at all, but thank (laughs) you very much. (laughs) But it was really nice. I loved being in the hospital. My mum and dad came in to visit, which was really cool. And then that was it. And um, because I just still needed a lot of support with the feeding. And they said uh, in there that he was, even though he was born at 37 weeks and two days he was acting like he was 36 weeks Mm
0: -hmm.
1: he just didn't have that uh, technique for sucking and he just couldn't do it and my milk still hadn't come in so then I ended up starting to use a hospital breast pump which are really fancy and when we brought it home they're actually worth two and a half thousand dollars the hospital ones (laughs) And But I when I was using it up there, one of the nurses turned it up for me and I was expressing and that was fine. And I did that a few times overnight until the next morning I had these huge blisters on my nipples because uh, it had been up too high. And yeah. It was so painful. But, um, yeah, the nurses in the hospital were so helpful and I didn't want to syringe feed him the whole time. So we started finger feeding. We had a tiny little tube. And we would tape it to one of our fingers and then put our finger in his mouth. So he would suck on that. And then the Mm -hmm. other end of the tube would just be in a bottle of my expressed milk. Yeah. So it was really cool. And it encouraged him to learn that sucking motion as well. And um, yeah, that was great. There were, I think we used formula twice in the hospital. And I remember being so gutted that I'd had to use formula. But then I thought, actually, that doesn't really matter if he's not crying. And I think that was something that I've talked to lots of people about is really frowned upon. But in the most ridiculous way, like everyone knows it's fine to formula feed if you have to or you want to. But we still feel bad about it. And I think that was really quite a struggle for me getting over that. Yeah, but I... I actually, I love the hospital. It was quite scary when we came home. <laughs> yeah. And how did you find that coming home? So
0: um, I know you said you've been there for about three days. So yeah, you're coming home with your new baby and yeah, everything's just changed. And how did you find that whole experience in the next sort of couple of weeks? Did you notice any of the baby blues or yeah,
1: what was that experience like? Well, I think I had a bit of baby blues when I was in the hospital because I remember looking at this baby and going, oh my gosh, I don't love Curtis anymore. I don't have any room. (laughs) I I can't go home because I don't love the person I live with anymore. (laughs) And then I think probably that afternoon I realized I'm actually fine. Um, But our first, uh, it was the first couple of weeks, it was really hard just because I was so overwhelmed and then people would want to visit. And I kind of felt bad saying no, which I think lots of people struggle with. But I was still struggling with breastfeeding. So it took, um, I was bottle feeding for about six weeks. And so I was expressing after every feed. And then I did a weekend where I, did a pumping marathon and expressed every two hours and it yes. was really, really hard. I think mm. because it was all this extra time and um, I wasn't bonding with him because he wasn't yes. feeding and I would give him a bottle or a finger feed and I would just cry because I was thinking this isn't actually my baby. It's like I'm babysitting someone else's. Mm. And it was really hard. And Curtis had gone back to work by then. So I would just sit at home and feed this baby crying. And then I would express while he was sleeping. And then he would pretty much wake up and need to have another feed. So it was really, really intense. And my milk still didn't properly come in for three weeks. And oh, wow. I was on yeah. the Don Peridone and I had... um the lactation cookies, lactation tea. I was drinking so much water and eating porridge every morning. I just did everything and it took so long. I think it was ended up being the day before his due date that my milk came in. So it was like my body said, Oh yeah, well the baby's here now. Mm It's fine. We can make milk. Um, But then I started just putting him to the breast and he actually got it in the end. We still use nipple shields, but he's, exclusively on the breast now which is really satisfying mm. but when I he was um because I, I was trying him every feed and then just topping him up with a bottle yeah and then at about five weeks postpartum I developed vascospasms which mm. is this hideous condition that I'm not I don't quite understand why I got it But basically what happens is the blood vessels in my breasts contract and there's no blood going to my nipples. So when he was feeding, it was the worst pain I've ever experienced. And it, it went on for weeks and weeks. I think it was actually probably about three and a half weeks of that. So every feed felt like glass going through my whole breast and even I couldn't sleep because it was still painful then and when they were cold it was painful and it was just awful I thought why on earth does Mm. anybody ever breastfeed or have more than one child this is horrendous (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but that's actually just gone away in the past couple of days and so he's 10 weeks old (laughs) I know he's 10 weeks old tomorrow. And I'm just getting to the point where feeding is not uncomfortable and making me cry every time. Yeah, yeah. It was it was so wild. I think the feeding part, and I really was very emotionally unprepared for that. Everyone Mm. said because everyone talks about the birth being hard, but no one really talks about the fact that breastfeeding might not come really naturally and it won't Mm. be really easy. Yeah. my parents have a sheep and beef station, and we have a lot of like um we would have a lot of pet lambs when we were little. So I just imagined that he was just going to be born and be able to feed like a lamb does. Yeah. And, yeah. and then he didn't. So it was really, really bizarre. And mm. because I was pumping, I felt so constricted. Like I couldn't leave the house because I would have to pump and then store milk. And it was really difficult. I think. At the start, I was just thinking, why on earth did we do this? Mm. But then I would wake up in the morning and he would have a really good day and I'd go, Oh, I can't wait to see what our next baby looks like. (laughs) (laughs) So that was fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And how like I know you said the pain's gone away in the last couple of days. So has that
1: made like a really big difference for you? Oh, hugely. I was um I would get up to feed and I would break out in sweats because I was Mm. in so much pain or I would be lying in bed and then he would wake up and I would just lie there dreading him actually Mm. needing a feed because it was horrible I think quite often I would pull him off a bit early because it was sore if he Mm. was just sitting there and I think that probably didn't help my milk production but um now it's so good and looking back at it it's actually amazing and I'm really proud of myself for not quitting Mm. yeah Yeah, because it was it was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done, and because it took nine and a half weeks, Mm. it was just extra hard. I think with yeah, I knew that birth would be hard, and but I also knew that there was like going to be an end point, and I could take pain relief and have support for that. But so much of the feeding, no one actually knows what the pain is like unless they've experienced it. So I said to someone, "Imagine your nipples had been sunburnt, and then someone was cutting them with a bread mm. knife. Yeah. It was it was kind of like that, mm. <laughs> yeah. But it's just really satisfying now to know that I didn't quit and I made it through. And now it's so easy just to feed him wherever and when, like wherever we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah."
0: Awesome. And what about, um I mean, apart from your breastfeeding journey, mm-hmm. what about your physical recovery from birth? So how did you find, I know you said you didn't have any tearing, but did you find um, that after a sort of week or so you felt really good or how long did that take?
1: I remember I actually went out when he was about six days old and my friend who'd had a baby three months before said, wow, you're doing really well. And I had a few days, I think, where I just thought, oh, I'm fine. I can go out. Mm. And then after that, I went, no, I've actually pushed it way too early, but physically, like I felt pretty good at the start. There were a few days or maybe a week where actually getting out of bed and even just swinging my legs over the side of the bed was a bit painful. Mm. Um, but aside from that, I actually had a really great recovery yeah. and I put a lot of it down to just having a really positive birth because that was so good. And I Mm -hmm. felt really good about it emotionally as well. Yeah. 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 It was really cool. Yeah. And when he was, I think he was, he was a week old and I messaged a photographer in Blenheim when we were going to get some photos done. And then I ended up getting a free newborn shoot with him, which is really cool. But we went out and we did that and we were out for about three hours I remember being there thinking, oh, man, I really want to go home and have a sleep, but these (laughs) photos are going to be so cool, (laughs) and I still don't sleep enough, like, as much as I should. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: And what about your relationship? Have you um, noticed, like, in the last 10 weeks, any big shifts in your relationship, or how are you guys adjusting
1: um, as a couple to being parents? Um, it's been really, really hard. And my mum said to me, it's the hardest thing your relationship will ever do. Have your first child, Mm. but Curtis works really long hours. So he'll get up in the morning at five o'clock and then he won't get home until six that night. And so lately, not so much in the first kind of two weeks, by the time he's got home, the baby's already asleep. And then he leaves in the morning without seeing him. So, I just felt like I was doing it all myself. And I said to Mm. him once, I feel like I'm a single parent because I was doing the parenting, like the baby stuff by myself. And then also trying to do the meals and the washing and that. But it's also been a really good point point for us to start talking about stuff like that Mm. and taking on different roles and responsibilities in our house, which is really good. And none of his friends either really have children so it's been really interesting to see how um, people have sort of changed the way they treat us individually and as a couple Yeah, but yeah I think there's definitely been hurdles but we're really, I'm seeing light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah I think it's really hard for a lot of dads because they don't actually know and he doesn't wake up to any Prize at all but um he comes home and he says oh what what have you done today and I was like yes. uh well I had breakfast it was a good start yeah but I think it's definitely been tough on our relationship but then as it we go on it's getting a lot better so we've yeah. sort of yeah on a, like a downhill for a couple of weeks and then once I realized I'm actually not coping I need some more attention because I was yeah. giving all of my love to this baby yeah and yeah. then I felt like I wasn't getting any back yeah but once we cleared that up it was really good so I think the communication has definitely yeah. improved in our whole yeah. relationship anyway which is really cool
0: yeah awesome awesome cool well, thank you so much Jackie for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us I've really loved listening and it's um, really nice for me to hear some of your positive feedback about your birth project too. So yeah, just super grateful that you're willing to share your story
1: and come on the podcast. Thank you so much. I was really excited to come on the podcast and I loved doing like the birth course and <laughs> listening to all the birth tales. So it's been amazing. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks so
0: much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. One thing that Jackie wanted me to include, which she forgot to include in her episode, was a little bit about her birth environment. So when she got to the hospital, she was shown to her room and the first thing that she did was set up the birth environment in the way that she wanted. She found that really positive because she'd spent so long waiting for something to happen in that room before going to the birthing suite. She had a birth playlist, which she played on her Yui Boom. She had lots of Cat Stevens and instrumentals from various Disney movies and Celine Dion. It was really peaceful and she just found that a super positive um, experience. It played while she gave birth as well and that was really nice. All the nurses commented on how nice it was. She had an Acquia diffuser that she was saving for her labor. So she had that in her room, which made her room smell really beautiful. And she also put a lavender bag under her pillow to help with relaxation. She had made a birth board with affirmations and pictures of her during pregnancy and some with her and Curtis. And that was really fun to make as well. She got Curtis to bring up a pillow from home because it was soft and comforting and something that she was really used to. And instead of using her hospital blankets, she wrapped herself in her dressing gown. So I think those are just some really nice ways that Jackie was able to create a birth environment that felt really peaceful and calming to her. So yeah, Jackie just wanted to add those in and super grateful that she was willing to share her story with us all today. I look forward to bringing you another episode next week.